Hi everyone, I'm Becky. And this is Claire. And welcome to another episode of Podway! Podway! <laughs> Alright, so um, essentially this is the podcast when we talk about things about musicals and theaters and plays. And in today's episode we will be talking about Miss Saigon. So um, it's essentially a musical story set in Vietnam during and after the Vietnam War. Um, so the musical was made in 19 or first premiered in 1989, um, and it follows the story of Kim, who is a Vietnamese prostitute, and Chris, who is an American GI, who fall in love during the Vietnam War. Um, and we see how the impact of the war actually follows them throughout their lives. Um, so the original musical premiered in 1989 and it was based on Puccini's 1904 opera Madame Butterfly, but essentially it takes the concept of the opera and modernizes it to something that is more contemporary, um, which is why they chose the Vietnam War, set during the 70s. Um, but there are actually several key important changes between Madame Butterfly and Miss Saigon. Um, however, the musical also managed to garner a lot of uh, controversies and the production itself. Yes. So <laughs> as an Asian, um, anyways, from the beginning, I feel like Miss Saigon had its problems. And the biggest question of all time is whether or not Miss Saigon is racist. So this controversy really starts from its beginning, originally when um, Jonathan Price, a white actor who played the Asian character, the engineer, um, he was wearing bronzing cream and some mm -hmm. of his makeup to make his face look more towards Asian. Yeah. And that when the show appeared in the, in the West End, the British theater critiques actually did not find anything objectionable about that. And nobody ever really talked about it. And the controversy about this whole yellow facing only began in like 1990 when he appeared on Broadway. At the time, the Actors' Equity Association, so the AEA in New York, they refused to allow Price to portray the role of the engineer because they think the casting of a Caucasian actor made up to appear Asian is pretty much like an affront to the Asian community. And the casting choice is just disturbing when this casting of an Asian actor would be an important opportunity to break the pattern of only recruiting Asians for pretty much only the minor roles in the theater world. However, in response to this, um, the British AEA and the producer at the time, they threatened to cancel the show. So in the end, both roles were um, played by white actors. Although I do want to point out that the role of engineer technically is French Vietnamese and he's not indeed purely Asian, which could probably explain the choice of casting at the time. And apart from that, something that I've seen on the Wikipedia and I looked into the source for it a little bit, but um, the AEA was also apparently angry about uh, Leah Salonga's uh, role as Kim because mm -hmm. she's... Uh, Filipina, and uh, the AEA wanted an American actress to play Kim. And Macintosh tried to find a satisfactory replacement, mm -hmm. and he couldn't. So the <laughs> fact that he felt like he could possibly try to find a replacement for her, again, maybe I'm misunderstanding this, it's from Wikipedia, but um, the fact that he tried finding a replacement and he couldn't, and replacing an actual Asian character and not fighting for her is a bit sour, in my opinion. Yeah, people seem to have just have different standards when it comes to racism. Because mm -hmm. if you paint your face black, 
and play a role that's meant to be a black person. Like mm-hmm. nine out of ten, or even ten out of ten today, that people will call you racist, or they'll call yeah. that racist. But if this happens to Asians, then all of a sudden, like people seems to be more okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm sure like sure some people can argue like yeah you're being racist by saying that white actors can play Asian characters but the reality really is that the white actors have way more opportunities than Asians in general. That's my biggest issue with it. It's not so much about like oh yeah you're painting your face like yellow and that's like racist or anything. It's more like why this is the very limited. Opportunity where you can actually have some Asian representations on stage, but instead you choose to give it to someone else. It's a little bit sad to see that. And honestly,、mm-hmm. like my biggest complaint about this musical isn't even about the casting. It's how they portray the Asians, especially Asian women, in the show.、Mm-hmm. I have a lot more to say about this racism <laughs> controversy of Miss Saigon and my issue with storylines, the character, and pretty much just everything else. But、um, but yeah, I can I guess we can leave that until later. <laughs> yes.、Um, and by acknowledging that、uh, musical is controversial, doesn't make the entire musical terrible. It's something that exists within the musical, and it's a bias that could be transmitted to the viewers and the listeners if they're not aware of it. So I think it's really important to acknowledge it, just so we can be aware of potential biases and think why they exist there, how they got there, and try to analyze it in everyday society as well. Okay, so now we're moving on to the song by song discussion. Woo! Yay!、Um, So I guess first、um, we'll go with the overture、um, slash like backstage dreamland. We'll condense、um, some of the songs here just because it's a truly mammoth-sized musical. It's、uh, super like long. So we are experimenting with、um, you know condensing some of the smaller songs just for like time's sake. So、uh, how we open is by hearing the iconic helicopter sound. We get、um, a pro shot of scenes from Vietnam War, and、um, we start hearing the engineer talking to the bar girls、um, and bringing Kim in. He informs us that she's new there; she's a virgin, and、uh, he kind of lets us know how desperate some of the Vietnamese, definitely him and some of the bar girls, to leave Vietnam and、uh, get a visa to go to the U.S. So from that we go to the second song, which is "The Heat Is On in Saigon," and we get to see kind of like the lawlessness of the brothel and like particularly the American、uh, debauchery. It's kind of very obscene by design.、Um, we get to see characters that we will get to know, like on the American side, such as John. He's like, "Here, I'll buy you a prostitute. We're gonna get you laid."、Um, we get to know Chris. Um, who at first is not really interested in the in the scene. He is used to it and he's kind of bored of it, and he wants something new. And I guess that something new is Kim. And in the end of the heat is on in Saigon when、uh, all the bar girls introduce themselves to be I guess ruffled out to the winner.、Um, Gigi, who is one of the key bar girls, one of the ones that we'll hear of in the future as well,、uh, is chosen as the Miss Saigon. Meaning,、uh, most amount of people bid on her or bought raffle tickets for her. All right. Even though this is only the first song, 
I have a lot to say about mm -hmm. it. Musically, I'm okay with the song. The other comment I have is about the Kim's costume here. So many people who are not really familiar with Asian traditional clothing might find this look very similar to the Chinese qi pao. Um, but these are called ao dai. I'm really hoping that I pronounce it right too. It is a very like Vietnamese traditional clothing that they wear on very formal occasions. So not only does it suggest um, Kim's innocence, in a way, um, compared to other girls who are wearing bikinis and showing their like skins, boobs, that kind of thing. It's also important because this is the day she meets Chris. So I feel like it has a symbol, you know, like we see this dress throughout different times in the musical and always kind of mm. represents that very innocent virginity almost of, of Kim. And not just physically that she was a virgin at this point in the story, but also she is in this very innocent state of mind when she meets Chris. And that state of mind kind of continuous um, throughout the whole play. But we'll get into that later. I'm a huge fan of Asian culture, so I just really love how this kind of outfit gets to shine on Broadway like this. I don't know if it's actually a very authentic look of how an um, Aldai looks. So if you know, let us know. Um, if it doesn't look anything similar to what you guys wear in Vietnam, I want to know too. So again, not Out sure. Out of curiosity, how... by the way, speaking yeah. of the Aldai, uh -huh. um, just like Googling it or like trying to find out different ways of it looking like um i noticed that like at least on google it comes in a lot of different colors and i'm kind of wondering whether the fact that they chose to put her in a white audi might also kind of play towards the wedding dress theme and oh, also definitely. the purity so like they're trying to bring a piece of culture there's i mean allegedly <laughs> authentic mm -hmm. to vietnam and they're trying to like make it or they're trying to like convey the importance of it to western audience like subliminally absolutely i really agree on the coloring part um i know for sure in in chinese at least like in chinese culture that we wear red for a wedding and white is actually mm -hmm. for funeral i don't know if um vietnam also has this kind of traditions uh, her backstory is that her village was destroyed her parents were destroyed with the village and attack in the war so even if we go with a like funeral narrative, it kind of works. Huh. I guess. Oh, that's a good point. I mean, I don't really know if the color white means anything in Vietnamese traditions. So, again, let us know. <laughs> yes, let us know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's going to be our mantra for, like, this episode. Please let us know. Educate us. Uh, we'll be happy to learn, for that sure. That should be the subtitle of this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so in terms of the message-wise, I had really, really mixed feelings about mm -hmm. the message, um, the stage setting, the background that the song shows. So there's a couple of things in Miss Saigon that kind of led me to have mixed feelings about the musical. And apart from the casting controversy that we just talked about, um, sexualized Asian woman's stereotype is certainly another thing that bothered me a lot and mm -hmm. is what we can see from the song. So I mostly have two thoughts on how to approach my feelings toward this sexualized Asian woman component. So bear with me. Mm -hmm. So on one hand, it made me really uncomfortable. Main character Kim here is portrayed as like the 
lotus blossom kind of type, mm-hmm. like the innocent, but she's sexually available, she's mysterious, and she's submissive Asian beauty whose life is defined by her love for a white man. And in this case, that would be Chris. And some people argue that, you know, Kim is not submissive at all. Instead, she shows some certain kind of strength by making the choice to protect her child, like shooting Tui later on, um, or in the end when she decides to take her own life so she can secure a better future for her son. So in one of the comments I read online, one person compared Kim with um, Fontaine and Les Mis, saying that they were both prostitutes showing great strength and therefore um, having an Asian prostitute character doesn't mean that Miss Saigon is racist. So I just want to clarify that obviously I can't speak on behalf of all Asian women, but my personal problem is not that Kim is a prostitute or a bar girl. My problem is that Kim lacks this awakening moment for herself. Like, up until this very last song when she took her own life, her world was centered around Chris. And did you see Fontaine blindly in love with the father of Cosette? No. That's, like, what you see is after her lover left her, she continued to work hard to support her child and to make a living. And we certainly won't say that she was saved by another man because the man who helped her in the, in the case of Les Mis, was also white, and she didn't fall in love with him anyway. But here, Kim is a great mother, that's for sure. But putting that really strong motherhood aside, the plot was arranged in a way that she couldn't have a life after knowing Chris married somebody else. So there was really no opportunity whatsoever to show us Kim's strength in continuing her life after this major setback. Also, the other reason that I can't really agree with this Kim Fontaine comparison is because in Les Mis, Fontaine wasn't the only female character. But the fact that every single Vietnamese female character in Miss Saigon is a prostitute just confirms this really popular Western stereotype of just sexualized woman image. So that's yeah. my first point. And my mm-hmm. second point that I have to say about the song is when Kim sings about this line where she says, um, I'm so much more than you see. A million mm-hmm. dreams are in me. I thought she was mm-hmm. talking about this female self-empowerment in a way, but no. Like, those dreams we talk about, we never get to see them or hear about mm-hmm. them ever again. So I really hope to see more than just this sexualized woman image because this impacts how I see myself or like I worry about how others will see my community mm-hmm. um all right I'm not done yet sorry I oh no 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 I'm say. I'm super curious to hear what you have to say to be honest and from the the reading that I've done on like um the racial insensitivities and stereotyping here uh some of the understanding that I've gotten is that part of the reason why this portrayal is so egregious is because um the Asian community has such few roles and so little opportunities that um, the portrayal of them as something like this is very, very strong compared to everything else, all the other portrayal. It's not as nuanced. For example, if you see like a white person and you, see, you happen to have a movie about prostitution, there are a million other, other examples that show that white, white people are not necessarily sexualized, but it's not necessarily the same in the Asian community. And... Um, do you think that this would be as bad if 
there were a lot more roles for Asians, uh, for people in the Asian community, and uh, it was more nuanced in terms of portrayal? I think so. Mm -hmm. I think right now, the like you said, the problem with that is because we have very limited representations and not just mm-hmm. in musicals but also in movies and plays in in like musics and things like that mm-hmm. and I think this is in a way really a very narrow definition of what Asians are and for those who say um this is not going to impact how I viewed Asian community because I have so and so Asian friends that's your opinion and mm-hmm. feeling that the only representations we ever get as a community and in, in, on a stage like this is in the way that we do not want to be viewed is like worrying me <laughs> yeah. that how other people are going to see me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a huge issue because I feel like if you're portraying somebody from that community, obviously like a member of the community would be excited to consume the content, uh, content, especially if there is not a lot of it. Um, like if I see something that is about women and it's portraying them in a nuanced way, obviously I'm very happy because even though we have a good amount of representation, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, it hasn't been that nuanced until recently. Um, and there's been a lot of sexist takes. And it makes me think, who is this for? Is yeah. that right? In a way, I do acknowledge a difference between like a show just being purely just bad and a show mm-hmm. that showing parts of life that makes you uncomfortable. So I'm not saying that we should stop playing this Saigon. But my biggest issue is that it's not really about the Asian community. And some people call it like, oh, yeah, it's a production of its time. This is probably what happened. And um, it reflects the history and the war at the time. It shouldn't be judged with the modern PC sensibilities as the story was meant to come off like as com- uncomfortable. And I agree that we need to reflect on what happened in the past in order to learn, right, and to advance in the future. But... Mm-hmm. I think the people who argue that it's just a play, they don't even come from Vietnam or Asia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because this homeport picture or this misconceptions that the musical painted wasn't about your country. And it's not your self-esteem and value that gets twisted or impacted by this victimized, sexualized stereotype that this musical portrayed. Plus, mm-hmm. if you're talking about reflecting what really happened in history. There are some really strong, independent, hardworking, self-sacrificing Asian women during wartime too. Why don't we tell this kind of story? Yeah, completely fair take. Um, And I think just uh, a few minutes ago, you mentioned the trauma of the prostitutes here and their portrayal. And I think that's a really good lead to the next song, which is the movie In My Mind. And in a strong eyes embrace Flee this life Flee this place 
Um, so going back to the heated is on in Saigon, we get to see like complete debauchery. We get to see um, rowdy Americans and uh, uh, scantily clad women. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get a complete shift um, that juxtaposes the previous song with the movie in my mind. So um, before the, the song starts, John... Uh, who is one of the American GIs, we'll hear about him more. Um, later on, it chooses Gigi, who was crowned Miss Saigon, and um, she asks him to take uh, her to America, and uh, John violently refuses, and uh, the engineer quickly covers it up and saying, like, oh, Gigi, like it rough. And Gigi is crying, and she's really distressed, and uh, she she starts singing her I Want song, which is she wants to leave the current environment that she's in, live in a quiet suburban life, uh, suburban home, uh, loving husband, children that are safe and protected. I guess halfway through, Kim interjects with her thoughts about going into prostitution because she's new, this is her first night, how she'll have to put up with this. It's not something that she wants. It's not something that any of the bar girls want. So... This is actually, I wouldn't say I liked this number the most, but it's the number that I cared about the most, just because to me it really humanizes the prostitutes, and uh, it really gives you an idea of the the atrocities of war, because they're there because they don't have any other option. Um, so for me, I, I think the song is uh, is very important. I think musically, it's um, actually one of my favorites. Um, oh, the vocal, that never happened before. Yeah, I know, right? Um, the vocal of um, Gigi and Kim here were mm-hmm. super impressive and strong. So I really appreciate um, their singing here because there's just so much emotion in their voice. It was also revealed that Kim, she was only 17 at the time. I know some people might have an issue with her age being too young, blah, blah, blah. I but <laughs> I actually, really, I personally yes. actually don't mind it as much because most people back in the time, like in Asia, like they actually get married maybe around 15 to 18 anyway. So that wasn't a big red flag for me. I mean, OK, but given that the people they're prostituting themselves to are American, they call her jailbait meaning like they know she looks very young they know she looks underage they called her they call her a child i feel like that's kind of problematic for them to also sleep with them the next time i okay i understand that um i enjoy the song musically but this song Mm -hmm. is like another example that ring for this obedient asian women picture would pretty much tolerate anything that American men do to them. Sure, it's because they're bar girls, and that's what they do. But this mm-hmm. reinforcing fantasy of Asian women just, ugh. So that's that. Out of curiosity, so I had a, a bit of a discussion with my sister, and uh, she brought up the point that it could be difficult for the entire plot to occur without being in a brothel. So it's kind of important that it is in the realm of prostitution. Because otherwise, like, how would Chris and Kim meet? I mean, she can be, like, one of the girls from the village that he saved. Or that mm. they can meet in a hospital. In or... a hospital. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was something it... I was thinking about, uh-huh. too. Because okay. I was like, oh, it, it makes it convenient for them, like, to sleep together, for example, on the first night they meet. And um, I was thinking about the setting itself and the setting 
and how it could have been made differently to subvert the trope. Um, and I think the hospital thing that you mentioned is actually a, a great idea. Yeah, so moving on from that, we get to the transaction and the dance. So John and the engineer bargain for Kim. Yeah, so I feel like in this scene you get to like see how Chris is very different from John here because John is very like callous towards the girls. He's like very aggressive towards them. He doesn't care about them at all. He just views them as objects. Um, And Chris is like, oh, I don't want this. I'm not interested. She should go. So in the dance, Kim is like, my name is Kim. I like your Chris. At first, Chris is like, no, here, take the money, leave this place. And then the engineer takes the money that Chris gave Kim. But in the end, Kim and Chris do leave together. So before they sleep together, they are not even like shown to communicate with each other much. But after the act, the deed is done, Chris laments the fact that he's like, just before going back to America, he meets someone who is meaningful to him, Kim. Uh, He starts falling in love with her in uh, Why God Why. So this is a song that is really sympathetic towards Chris. He's like, we get to see that he's at the very least infatuated with Kim. And um, he's very conflicted. But nonetheless, musically, despite being a problematic character for sure, it's still one of my favorite songs. For me, I don't understand why he could fall in love with her at this point. I also don't understand why Kim will fall in love with Chris. That's an even bigger um, question for me. Sorry? I I have a theory for Kim. I don't really have a theory for... Oh, on the contrary. I have a theory for Chris, but I don't have a theory for Kim. I see. For Kim, I think she fell in love with him because, like, it's her first time. (laughs) And it can be very emotionally charged when before having the the act, before doing the do, um, he's shown to, like, try to protect her or try to sway her. And that could have a lot of, like, a big impression on her as somebody who is really quite young and also had a lot of trauma. Um, So combining all that emotional baggage into this, I kind of could see somewhat her point. That's another very disgusting point when you bring up like the virginity issue. Like, oh, white superiority. Like fantasy where they get everything from Asian women, like her love, her virginity, and her everything. So another really piece of disgusting detail for me. But anyways, I'll skip you guys another two hours of ranting. But my theory of why Chris fell in love with Kim Mm -hmm. is because I think Chris is using Kim as his um, coping mechanism. So really, (laughs) I don't think it's love necessarily. Chris trying to get a hold of something that would help him forget. And because apparently Kim was the quote unquote, the only good thing that he found here. And the other thing that really bothered me is the attraction that happened seems to be really on a very superficial level because Chris says something along the lines of why such beauty in this place? So was he only attracted to her look? I don't know, you know? The way that I interpreted this line is like, because beauty doesn't necessarily mean the superficial looks. Um, It can also mean like the inside beauty. Good Um, point. Yeah, that's the way I thought about it. It's like, oh, the, the fact that she exists there and she's who she is, that is the beautiful part. The fact that she's, I think it, it has a lot to do with her purity, to be honest, and her naivete. Um, so that was my theory, too. Honestly, like, at this level, it can't be love, in my opinion. Like, love is something that needs to be, it takes time. And 
to me, both of them have an infatuation towards each other. Yeah, I think that's part of the reason why I couldn't really feel like Kim was a real character because mm-hmm. I was just not convinced by her feelings towards Chris. So I really couldn't quite connect with her or to understand her in that sense. But just out of curiosity, do you think like the rationalization of maybe like, oh, this is because she has a lot of trauma, Chris was the first person who somehow a tiny bit like appeared to be nice to her, and also the fact that um, she lost her virginity to him, like could somewhat account for her love, at least in the first act? I don't actually believe so. I think Kim is innocent, but not naive. Just because somebody was slightly nicer to her. And to be honest, he was not that nice anyways. Um, mm-hmm. I think that is, that's bullshit. Like, okay, well, going, I don't buy going on based on that, uh-huh. like, I think the narrative of her being infatuated works in the beginning to like create the initial spark and then let's let's go back to like or let's go forward to the next one because that ties in for me so the next one Chris comes back and he um offers her more money I guess after after the night and uh Kim tells him that she's not interested in the money um she never done this before and Chris doesn't believe her at first but then he reflects on it he's like you know what I do believe you um (laughs) and then Kim does have to kind of extrapolate on her backstory. So she gets really heated and it's a really powerful moment. Uh, And then Chris feels bad to an extent, I guess. He offers Kim to come with him to America and uh, Kim agrees and then they kiss. So I take that to like be more facilitation of the romance because they're sharing their trauma with each other and they're trying to show the audience at least, that what happened between them didn't only happen for monetary reasons. It wasn't just a transaction, at least not for Kim. No, I, I don't buy that one second. You do not? I, okay. <laughs> just, Kim was outraged. She was upset mm-hmm. about, like, what happened to her family. Why was she oh. falling in love with a dude? Like, she literally mm-hmm. just shared this part of her history with. And Chris' reaction was weird, too. After oh, yeah. hearing all the story, like, his reaction was like, oh, will you come with me? Like, what the hell? It's not very convincing, for sure. I agree with you. It's very, very flat um, characterization, very flat love story, in my opinion, as well. Like, So do you think at this point, Chris meant, do you want to come with me as, like, do you want to be with me, like, marry me? Or, like, he just, like, do you want to come with me to America? I'll, I'll buy you a visa. I think it's a bit of both. Because if you take it with the, with the previous song, which is, like, him... It, like explaining that he is infatuated he is telling us that he is conflicted about how he feels and I feel like witnessing the tragedy from um the her side kind of like helped him understand his feelings a little bit more but not completely like he's not in love at this point or at least I don't think he's portrayed to be in love at this point but he's like slightly more infatuated um and it did come in my opinion to a large extent, out of pity, but it wasn't only pity. Interesting, Um, because I would feel a lot better if Chris was actually just meaning that he will take her to USA and and not promising to to marry her. That would actually make me feel better. And not to mention that the next song, so Mm -hmm. Sun and Moon, and this song, they explicitly express how they're in love with each other. So. That theory of just a miscommunication won't make sense. 
But the thing is, like, in my opinion, the three songs are meant to show, like, so, um, Why God Why, and then the This Money Is Yours, and then Sun and Moon. Like, it's supposed to show, like, little by little how their interactions cause the infatuation to grow more and more. And then Sun and Moon is, like, the love song here. And even if they confess their love to each other, it's not, like, necessarily, oh, you know, let's get married. In my opinion, I still think that it doesn't make sense. (laughs) No, that's fair. I think he explicitly asked her, do you want to be together? I'm really not sure. I feel like you also have a very good point, though. So that's the Mm. thing. Maybe you can, if you see it that way, then it kind of explains that maybe Chris didn't mean to to have this happen. But the Mm -hmm. thing that really bothered me is that later on, Chris called Kim his bride, too. So it's not like he wasn't aware, you know? So, but that's after the wedding ceremony, if okay, I'm not mistaken. Okay. So we'll, we'll get to that. That's true. Okay. But um, so let's talk about Sun and Moon. So in my opinion, it's a very touching love song. In here, I have kind of an interesting thought. So Kim lets Chris know that like tomorrow night is the full moon and she can get uh, like people to come bless their love. So I'm not sure if in that line Kim intended for it to be marriage or if the marriage literally like was accidental and it sprung out of nowhere when um, the ceremony happened. Actually, my takeaway from from that line was that how on earth would she consider the bar girls her friends? Let's not forget that they mock her literally just like a few hours ago in the first scene. So that was my question with the line. But Mm -hmm. to return to your question, I think maybe she didn't intend um, for it to be a wedding. But Mm -hmm. considering that she was praying to her parents and everything. So maybe she didn't have marriage necessarily in mind, but I definitely can see that she takes it a lot more seriously than um, mm-hmm. what Chris does here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if I mentioned, but uh, this is one of, I think this is probably like the last of like my favorite of the songs uh i think it's a really pretty song it's really beautiful and it's one of the only songs that actually show chris's and kim's connection that's like not motivated by anything it's just motivated by their internal love or infatuation or whatever you want to call it towards each other i agree i think this song also kind of foreshadows the tragic ending though because oh, the yeah. sun and the moon only meets for that one second right and then they kind of just sure. go into their own path so that to me just signifying that um, Chris and Kim will eventually depart and they'll never stay together. Yes. Um, so after that, we go to the telephone song slash asking for leave. 
um, and we'll combine that here with the deal. So uh, Chris lets John know that he's taking a leave, um, and John refuses at first. They really have to leave. So just to remind everybody, this is 1975, so they're really in the like the last few days in in Saigon. So. Chris goes to the brothel after John agrees, and we get the wedding ceremony. You get to hear them sing um, the the wedding vows. But uh, Chris is like, it's pretty, but what does it mean? And then Kim said, it's what all the girls sing at weddings. Um, and Chris was like, what? And then he's like, okay. <laughs> so uh, they get married, essentially. And uh, they refer to each other as husband and wife in, in the wedding ceremony. Yeah, and the Vietnamese vows, so beautiful, sounds so holy and... and- it's just really, really nice to hear. Um, technically, these lines, like we said, they don't actually make sense in real Vietnamese. Um, apparently, the composer basically just wrote the lines based on the conversation they had with the Vietnamese person. But really? credits, the, yeah, <laughs> this is what I read. Oh no, like. I'm disappointed. <laughs> yeah, but um, credits them for trying to make an effort to be more respectful of the mm-hmm. Vietnamese culture by revising the lines here, I think in the very recent 2018 version. So yeah, and I find the stage setting of the song very beautiful too. I think the title Miss Saigon goes to people who can escape. So yeah. crowning Kim as Miss Saigon in a way is like freeing her from this life. So okay. yeah. All right. Um, out of nowhere, <laughs> essentially, like as soon as the ceremony is over, um, Tui, who is also her cousin, um, shows up saying he's been looking for her everywhere. He and um, Kim obviously is like, nah, I'm married now. <laughs> and uh, we also learn that Chris needs to leave Vietnam, but he vows to take Kim with him. What for people <laughs> outside Asian culture, it's probably hard to understand why. Tui is like so aggressive um, and that's why I think a lot of people see him as a villain but if they were promised as 13 I can understand why it's hard for him to accept that Kim marries someone else in a considerably short time mm-hmm. and back in a time like this kind of pre-arranged marriage holds tremendous power and honoring your family's wish it's kind of like fundamental duty so mm-hmm. Even though that it was implied, however, that um, Kim's parents' death has something to do with um, Tui's conversion to communism, but we can't really know that for sure. But if it was related, then I can understand why Kim seems to be pretty upset when when she sees Tui. And yeah. um, but if it wasn't, then I honestly not sure why they make Kim and Tui look like enemies here, especially that they're cousins too. A hundred percent. But yeah, um, so in this, at this point in Tui's characterization, I completely 100% am with him, to be honest. But yes, so moving on to the song that we talked about, oh, The Last Night God. of the World. Um, so as we mentioned before, Chris needs to, li- to leave Vietnam um, and he vows to take him with him. And Chris tried to reassure Kim 
with the song of his love, of his devotion to her, that he's not going to leave her. And um, I think it's just like a milk toast song. I'm not a huge fan. <laughs> Me too. I mean, I'm not convinced by their love story. I refuse to call this the song of the musical because, in my opinion, the American Dream would have been the the song for for Miss Saigon. Um, musically, it's okay. It's not like horrible to listen to, but I do prefer Sun and Moon. I think. Oh yeah, one hundred. I really actually like Sun and Moon. I think it's a really compelling love song. I also dis like I dislike the song music. I think it's just a very boring love song. You can do love songs really, really well, but this one just fell flat for me. Yeah, same. So moving on to the next <laughs> song, "The Morning yeah. of the Dragon." So uh, we get to like a three-year cut, and this song has a lot of spectacle attached to it. It's so, so Very. impressive. The, the flags, the color they use here, the shadows, everything. The visually, is so, so pleasing to watch. 100%. Um, so, but narratively, what we see here is that the engineer was sent to a re-education camp during these three years, but he actually didn't change internally. And then Tui finds the engineer, and he asks him, uh, to lead him to Kim, he gives him 48 hours, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, I think I think the song communicates what it's supposed to pretty well in terms of introducing us to the current situation, but it could be confusing to others if they are not paying attention. Yeah. Okay. So after that. Yes. Here it comes. My <laughs> one, the one song that I truly, truly hate so so much. Uh, and it is I Still Believe. Um, so from that previous uh, song, we cut to Kim in the slums, and she dreams she dreams of Chris. Yeah, pretty much it like shows um, where both women are they're feeling separated from Chris. Kim obviously physically distance, and Ellen like psychological and emotional distance. But they still are believing in the love that each shares with them. So, ah, mm-hmm. uh, Chris. Um, so musically, I actually think this musically is pretty good. I listened to both versions, and I think I prefer Leah's version for this song because mm-hmm. it was very, very beautiful. Like her vocal has a sense of innocence and dedication. Yeah. So really well done job here. But the one thing I want to point out here is the setting. Mm-hmm. So here they have a very clever setting where Kim is um, living in a shit hole below Chris and his new wife's bed, which is staged up above. So the bedroom That's is staged what I in a way. Out as well. Great. Mm-hmm. So I'm not the only person who picked this up. So the bedroom was, is staged in a way that appears raised over Kim in Vietnam. And it really shows the audience like this ranking. Up and below setting, it's like a status. And like if I really want to read into it too much, it can also mean that Americans have this status up above where Vietnamese or Asians are down below rotting. 
And it can just be me reading too much into it. But with the whole controversy of this musical, it's just really hard not to. I think that's literally what they're trying to convey um, by putting the specific stage design because it's definitely intentional. We don't get a lot of like scenes of an upstairs kind of look. So um, it was 100% intentional. It's to show how much suffering Kim is enduring, where she is from, and how amazing America is in comparison, I guess, or how cookie uh-huh. um, and cushiony the the life is there in comparison to here. I'll, I'll talk about it later, about like narrative conceptual problems. Okay. Um, so the next song is Back Into Town slash, is it Cuckoo Princess? Cuckoo Princess, yes. Okay, good. <laughs> so um, the engineer finds Kim and then uh, Tui enters and Tui tells Kim that he still wants her. Please marrying me and Kim refuses in here the engineer comes back and tries to convince Kim to get with Tui and uh, then we hear the communist the the uh, unified Vietnam theme uh, like motif going on and that kind of like signals the soldiers coming in so the soldiers come in um, and everybody gets really really violent they beat up both Kim and the engineer and they almost kill them both but Tui stops the soldiers just before they kill them um, and asks them to leave. So Kim reveals the existence of Tam, who is her son. Um, she had together with Chris to Tui. And uh, that's the reason why she cannot marry Tui. And quickly, very quickly, Tui locks the door or like he takes the rag and like tries to like slide it so it will be obstructing the view um, and nobody will see and he repeatedly calls her a traitor to choose a side and he gets increasingly aggressive um we can combine this with Tui's death i guess slash mm-hmm. you will not touch him um so Tui goes to kill tam and kim pulls out a gun uh, that will later on she got from chris and he goes for tam to kill him and that's when uh kim kills Tui. Um, and so that's that's really communicating. She only killed him because he was just about to kill Tam. You know how like the when when the so- soldiers came in to beat up Kim, they mm-hmm. were calling her a whore, yeah, a traitor, and yeah. so many these horrible things. These mm-hmm. words, I've heard them in real life. Like not not to me, obviously, but oh, thank um, God. <laughs> the woman. <laughs> The, the women who were forced into prostitution in, in World War II, um, comfort women was uh, very common in Asia, especially in like places like Korea, China, Taiwan. Um, there, there were a lot of women who were either by force or they were tricked into being the prostitutes or the sex slaves um, for the army. Mm-hmm. And these people after war, they didn't go there by choice. But yeah. they were called traitors, sluts, who embarrassed the country and betray their people, that kind of thing. So these women were the ones who suffered most, really, because they were not accepted back into their society. And that's the mm-hmm. vibe that I got here, even though that technically Kim is not a comfort woman. Um, mm-hmm. And she, like, the, the child she has, it was out of love in this case. But in real life, most of the time, like, these women, their families are ashamed of them. They got banished from the village. They couldn't return to home. A lot of them can't have children. 
yeah, I just want to call that out because even though it's a very brief scene, it's mm-hmm. it's not just in a show. Like it happens in real life too. Oh, the the last comment I have about the song is that the kid, dude, he looks so soulless. Like he looks like he doesn't own a soul. Right. <laughs> he has right? no emotion. <laughs> you can literally replace. Okay, no, no hate to the kid. Obviously, like it's very difficult to be in this kind of situation. It's very yeah. emotionally triggering. So good job to the kid. But in terms of like the parts that he has, you yeah. can replace him with a cardboard box because he doesn't speak oh, once. Pretty much. Um, so yeah, that that's really funny. But in terms of Tui, this is the final. This is not actually the final time. But this is the final time we see him alive. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of a goodbye to him. And uh, they say, and this is the hour. Like Kim kind of cradles him, and she's like, no, and and she picks Tam and leave. Obviously, Tui is is very aggressive and villainous here. He's literally tried to kill Tam, a child. Um, but up until she shows Tam, or up until the soldiers come, up until you, like uh, the engineer comes and the soldier come, he is not even that awful. Like he is just like, come, I'll give you a better life. I'm trying to convince you. I'm trying to rationalize, like to ra- have a rational conversation with you. This will be a better like opportunity for you. And you're in a really bad place now, and I want to help you out. So like literally up until then, I was like, okay, like he's not doing it in the best way, but I can see where he's coming from. And then as soon as the sh- soldiers come, the entire mood shifts for the song for me. Yeah. So we cut to the engineer. <laughs> um, once again. <laughs> we, yes, once again. If you want to die in bed, and we can kind of like uh, put this together with "Let Me See His Western Nose" uh, slash Kim and the engineer. If you wanna die in bed, en route to your Nirvana. You grab your chance and plunge ahead. Go where people win. Heaven's there. But shit, you need a visa to get in. So um, the engineer escapes the soldiers by like donning on sol- like other soldiers' clothing, and he flees to uh, Thailand to Bangkok. Um, and we still see throughout this time that he's very desperate to get to the U.S. Um, and he's single-minded in his uh, wants. Um, he runs, or Kim's run into the engineer, and she lets him know that she shot Tui. And then she reveals Tam as well. So as soon as he, as he sees Tam, he sees this as an opportunity to go to America and get a visa since Tam is half American. Um, so he sees that Tam as a ticket to the U.S. I really like Engineer. You do? <laughs> yeah. I um, Some people say that he's a villain, but I think otherwise. I think like, of him he's... as a bit of a villain. <laughs> To me, he's this very um, realistic, interesting character who does not live in a fantasy like him. I think he is the irony of this show. So I really appreciate him. I won't say, oh, he's such a good character. He's not. He didn't. He's not morally good, but he's he's not morally good, but he's Mm -hmm. very well developed. Okay, so I think the way that they're writing the character to be, uh, they're writing him as a pretty likable guy, despite everything. But it just really sours my experience of him knowing that his entire livelihood is dependent on other people's suffering. I don't judge him too harshly, because I see him as somebody who struggles to make a living. 
And I think the fact that they're not trying to make him a good guy, like he could be a bad guy, he's like abusive, um, says one thing about him. But also he's so persistent. Like he is really um, working hard to achieve where he want to be. And that's also something that I see in him. So I think this mix of the good and the evil makes him a very interesting character. And that's what I like about the stories and characters like him. Yeah. yeah, one of the major problems in this uh, musical, at least for me, is that narratively, a lot of the characters are very flat. They don't change yes. um, a lot throughout the musical, and they're very... Um, they have their set characteristics, and they don't deviate from it, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, the engineer does have that aspect but they also make him a rounded character they make him a compelling character as well they make him very real so one of the criticisms that i read uh during the research in here is that none of the asian men are shown as sympathetic or as good because tui is shown to be one of the villains and uh it's ambiguous i guess how the uh engineer is obviously neither of us are men and uh we can't really comment on it from a masculine perspective, but what what do you think of that? To be honest, I don't see both of them as villain. Well, obviously they're not like the good characters, but I think they show traits or um, characteristics that is very human. And I agree. In that regard, I don't see them as being like um stereotypical or like racist uh, against mm-hmm. Asian men. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. some of the actions are questionable, but mm-hmm. I don't feel like that is something that's specific to Asian men. Obviously, they're not like the hero of the story. Yeah, but I feel like obviously they can make a better Asian character. Um, For sure. But the extent of the damage that their character will have on the stereotype of Asian people, I think it's way below than Kim, the, the character mm-hmm. of Kim. So mm-hmm. in that regard, I have less issues with that. Yeah. yeah. Not saying I, I have none, also- but I have less. Because obviously he makes some comment that also make me uncomfortable. Why was I born of a race that thinks only of rice? I think that was the line. Yeah. And we also hear things like, greasy chinks and things like that can probably be considered as racist as well but this irony is that he thinks about this perfect america's land where every dreams come true and he can be so much more Mm -hmm. but in reality american in this show did nothing good Mm -hmm. so maybe that's the point of the irony it makes sense. I can kind of see that it's sarcastic. I don't think at this point he believes that it's sarcastic. Like, he, he tries to communicate sarcasm. Hmm. I am kind of conflicted about the music. So personally, I enjoy the fact that it's a bit light-hearted com- compared to before, at least. Um, but narratively, I think it's a bit of a problem because it's it axes the emotional climax of, you know, this is the hour. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's all I wanted to say about this one. It also comes back with the American Dream. I think the placement of the engineer song could maybe be workshopped a little bit more. Yeah. Um. So Kim looks at Tam and reflects on how he's everything for her. That's essentially that's the song. <laughs> yeah. Musically, this last part really gives me chills. 
Um, oh, yeah. And, and to me, it definitely, it's a foreshadowing of the tragic ending for Kim in a way. And oh. the other more obvious foreshadowing, obviously, is in the title, right? I'll give my life for you. Yeah. And uh, after that, you also, like, have kind of ominous music. So it's even, like, more of a foreshadowing moment, for me at yeah. least. And that is pretty much the end of Act 1. And by the end of Act 1, we see that Kim, Tan, and the engineer, the three of them, like, decided to run off to Bangkok. And mm-hmm. that's the end. That's where it left it. Yeah. Um, so Act 2, the mood changed completely. We have Buidoi, right? Yes. Okay, Buidoi. But uh, you have John. He is... I think the chairman or he's like the head of the charity charity, uh, which is in charge of getting children who were conceived in Vietnam War between American soldiers and um, the Vietnamese women to the United States or to get them some relief in terms of monetary relief. Um, and he's kind of singing about the charity and how, how what it's like for for children who are born under these conditions. They are the faces of the children, the ones we left behind. They're called Guido, the dust of life, conceived in hell and born in strife. They are the living reminder of all the good we failed to do. We can't forget must not forget that they are all our children too. Musically, I really like John's vocal. He is so <laughs> empowering and strong. But this song has historical reference. So yes. these children, the dust of life, uh, they're discriminated against because of their look. So mm-hmm. the real-life video snapshots of these children at the background, it really brought emotions to me I think and this mm-hmm. really reinforced that this is just not a story it's real people's lives and, and the other thing that I really want to point out is that how much this comparison between the character of John and Chris really shows here because mm-hmm. Chris in at one he was full of the I love you I'll take care of you kind of crap but then he married Ellen and he ultimately decided to just leave Kim and their child behind like it didn't happen on the other hand you see John like he was like the not giving a shit about what's gonna happen he just want to have fun and at one you see him like very aggressive he treats the girls like just sex objects like you said but then here Mm -hmm. he really thinks about them and he acted and that's the biggest difference I think between the two okay well I I liked Chris in act one Mm-hmm. Chris in Act 2 is a very different Chris, as you mentioned, and they do show that difference with John. To his defense, in this case, he thought that she died, and it took him an entire year to get over her. So I think that's what they're trying to do with him, and they're trying to paint him in a more sympathetic light. Um, but I totally see where you're coming from. But still, like how he reacted to the news when, when John later oh, yeah. on told Chris about Kim and how they had a son together, his face literally changed. And that brings us to yeah. the revelation, actually, very nicely. Yes. So uh, John invites Chris to meet with him because he heard of Kim's son. Um, so he lets him know that Kim is alive. Um, 
Hmm. When Chris talks about Kim, we hear like the same music that we heard when she's recounting her story of how she got to um, the to the brothel in um, in Vietnam and what happened to her family. So we hear that again to kind of harken back to trauma that happened as a result of the war, in my opinion. And then John lets like Chris know that Kim has a child from him. And uh, Chris immediately is conflicted. Like you said, his face changed. He's like, but I'm married. Um, and we also find out that Chris never told Ellen of Kim at all. Like the only information that she had of Kim was from the name that he showed in his nightmares and nothing else. So um, in the revelation, Kim also, sorry, Chris also tells Ellen of Tam. But later we find out that he doesn't actually reveal the entire truth. Um, and they both go with John to Bangkok. And we hear the song, What a Waste. So the engineer is back on his bullshit. And he is a pimp again, <laughs> uh, making like 10 cents an hour. And uh, the entire song is very raunchy and very gross to see. It's even more raunchy than like the earlier brothel scenes. Yeah, we can condense it with like, please slash too much for one heart, which is when John finds the engineer. And that we later find out Kim is a prostitute in the club that the engineer works in. And uh, during this song, John tries telling Kim that Chris remarried, but he cannot do it. He's like, I can't break it to her. And uh, we can also, I guess, condense it with Chris is here. So John leaves to get Chris and the engineer enters. Um, And the engineer doesn't trust John to tell Chris. So he urges Kim to seek Chris out herself and go to him herself. One thing I can call um, from What a Waste is that still Asian women are only portrayed as prostitute here, so <clears throat> not great. And all the customers you can see are probably American, or like at least foreigners here. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> also not great. But otherwise, um, music-wise, I don't really think much of it. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds it sounds okay. It's not like the highlight of the musical or one of the like standout numbers. Yeah. Um. So. Kim is getting ready to um, meet Chris, and uh, there is like a really ominous um, sign of the uh, picture of her parents, which we saw at a wedding, for example, breaking. Mm. And we also hear the like unified Vietnam like motif. Chewie enters, and uh, by Chewie entering as kind of like a ghost that haunting her, we really understand that she is like she's very much affected and she knows what she did even though it was in self-defense um it's also i believe the next one is fall of saigon which is also very much a spectacle uh just like the uh morning of the dragon so both of them have like a lot of spectacle in this case that's the helicopter and the recreation of the famous photograph of the fall of saigon and that is really impressive but it's really important to have this scene because it's kind of like a background of what actually happened and how we got to the situation that we did um abruptly through act one Mm -hmm. so um Chris intends to take Kim with him, but he is forced to leave immediately without Kim. I believe John has to literally knock him out in order for Chris not to, um, like, come and get uh, Kim. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are also cut to, like, massive amount of people trying to claw their way to the helicopter to try to leave. Um, And it's really heartbreaking to see and hear. What do you think? 
I definitely think that the, like you said, the stage was visually super impressive. Um, you see chaos and a really desperate crowd on the evacuation day. And what's really impressive here is that although it's super chaotic, um, it's said in the way that you can still see what's going on. So the stage control and visual representation here is truly amazing. And the other thing that I want to call out is that you also get to see the other Vietnamese looking to flee the country. So they're shouting things yeah. like that, like I have a family here and there, I have the letter, that kind of thing. So really that just tells us once again that Kim's story is not a special case. Like it's one of the thousands of the stories that happened at the time. Mm-hmm. So personally, I think the song is really cruel. And mm-hmm. after watching this part, I guess I don't hate Chris as much because you can really see that he tried his best and um he doesn't really have a choice. Um, the scene is very, very powerful to show you what it could look like back in the real wartime back in Vietnam. And it breaks my heart every time I watch it, really. So these people who are left behind, they'll get shot and killed by the communists, no doubt. And mm. the scene, in my opinion, is just way too impressive. And then again, the acting is really amazing as well. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard. Again, like it was difficult for me to sit through the scene and watch it. Um, it was just so like the the actual sheer desperation and humanity, knowing that this like the American the the helicopter leaving is condemning them to a horrible future and potentially being killed, um, and not being able to do anything about it is really heart wrenching. It's very difficult to sit through and watch. All right, so after this really heavy hitter, um, Kim wakes up in Sun and Moon, and uh, we see that she kept her uh, Aodai uh, from the wedding day, and uh, she also sings their duet, so Sun and Moon, and the engineering shows up and gives her Chris's hotel address and room. So um, we go to room 3117, which is where Chris stays at, and Kim barges in, and she sees Ellen. Ellen realizes who Kim is, and uh, (laughs) she lets Kim know that he remarried her, and she's like, oh, I'm kind of happy that this is how it ended up this like this is how it ended up I saw you first I got to meet you by myself uh before you got to see Chris um and they hmm I don't know even <laughs> how to say it it's really it's a very difficult one to describe yeah. but well after she learned that Chris married someone else she is pretty upset um they <laughs> yeah. They exchanged a few thoughts on what will happen. And um, after learning that going to America with Chris is no longer an option, Kim instead asked Ellen to take Tan with them. So Mm -hmm. at least that her child will be able to go to USA and have a better future. Um, Mm -hmm. Ellen refused, saying that they want children of their own and um, it's it, they can't take a child away from uh, from his mother. So mm-hmm. that leaves Kim very outraged, frustrated, and yeah. She's distressed for sure. Yeah. And she's like, um, well, Chris is still coming here to see his son. He should meet me uh, tonight. And then she leaves. 
I have something to say about this. <laughs> Please. Um, I think the fact that she still keeps the wedding dress speaks so much of her love, in my opinion. So considering how she was living the shithole, I think most people will sell the valuables they have for food or money, right? But her love and her belief in the promise um, help her to keep this very one thing, very last thing that reminds her of their love together, no matter how short that was. So like mm-hmm. I said, although I wasn't really convinced by the love um the this commitment really stands out for me yeah so that's why yeah, I haven't even thought mm-hmm. about it to be honest like you just mentioned I was like oh yeah most people probably would sell their valuables right um, I would <laughs> yeah 100% yeah. um the other thing I want to call out is that even though like we said um Kim values the wedding dress and all these years she kept it the fact that when she enters the hotel room wearing this outfit Ellen mm-hmm. takes her as the maid. So yeah. the comment here, it's pretty, it's, it's a really brief scene. And it's probably a very small thing that I picked up, but it really embodies the racism in a way that because it helps show the audience that Kim, even though that she was wearing probably her finest outfits, will mm-hmm. always be perceived as like lesser. It's just the, really, it's very difficult. It's, it's, it's it's one of the most emotionally charged scenes that is not like about the setting or like the the situation like the interpersonal between like uh two people Mm -hmm. situation uh and song we have here this is probably the most emotionally charged for me yeah um and it's very difficult to listen to and to hear and to see kim's desperation literally begging ellen to take tam away uh, with her and then hearing Ellen refuses is really infuriating it's super infuriating and I think um, Ellen's counterpart in Madame Butterfly is Kate and if I'm not mistaken Kate wanted to take the child with her so that's an interesting interesting change here yeah, yeah interesting change it makes her real I guess like she probably would want the life just between herself and Chris and having Kim or any thing that or anyone that reminds Chris of Kim will probably means that she will never really truly have Chris as a whole and there's yeah. always going to be part of him that is still left in Vietnam with Kim yeah exactly but it is interesting for sure um and kind of going back with that emotion we get Ellen solo which is maybe um which is Ellen kind of reflecting on what happened just now and also coming to the realization that uh, what happened between Chris and Kim was a lot more than just him sleeping with her, which is apparently what he told her. So um, she's thinking about what it means to her and what it means about hers and Chris's relationship. I feel kind of bad for Ellen in a way. Like if I was Ellen, I would probably selfishly want the life just between me and my husband and there's no mm-hmm. one else. Um what do yeah, you think? I mean, it's nice to give Ellen a bit more of an internal monologue, but it's not even necessary. It doesn't really further the plot all that much. We already heard her decision that she's not going to bring Tam with her, her and Chris to America. So we didn't really need the song. It was very difficult for me to empathize with her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sympathize. I couldn't understand where she's coming from, but... Mm. Uh, I, I wasn't happy with her <laughs> decision, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So... Moving on to the next song, The Confrontation. So Chris comes back to the room and he sees Ellen and Ellen informs him that Kim was just there and he missed her. 
Uh, and then she also tells him, hey, buddy, you didn't tell me that you loved her. It's really clear that you loved her. Um, and you just told me that you slept with Kim and nothing else. So uh, Ellen gives Chris an ultimatum. She's like, oh, it's her or me. And Chris tells Ellen everything about the war. So I think this is the very first time that they opened up to each other. So uh, after he finishes telling his story, John enters and... Um, Ellen lets him know that Kim was the, uh, Kim was there, and he asks about Tam and what's going to happen with him. And Ellen and Chris say that they'll just give them money, but they will not take Tam with them. And uh, meanwhile, right after this, we get to see Kim getting ready for Chris to come and meet Tam at the night. So this is the point when I was truly disappointed in Chris's character. I mean, I never really liked him to begin with, and I can to a level understand why he did it, but I just don't agree with his decision. I think Agreed. the line when he said, I'm American, how could I fail to do good? is just mm-hmm. too ironic. That makes me laugh. And he hit the fact that he loved Kim. He acted surprised when Ellen told him that Kim thinks that they're married to each other. He was like, yeah. what? And I'm like, you knew this. Don't you pretend that you didn't know this? Mm-hmm. So um, I don't believe that he doesn't care about Kim, though. I think he still has feelings for her to some degree. Otherwise, he wouldn't have hesitated when Ellen asked him to choose between herself and Kim. But just right now, Kim is just not what he needs anymore. So in that way, I think he loves himself the most. Now, he's a very selfish person. That's some part that I don't agree with him morally. Yeah, the fact that they didn't even consult Kim, who is the yeah. mother of Tam's child, and they decide for her what's best for her and for her child, it really shows the selfishness of the act. And not only that, in, in case of for Ellen, like she knew this is explicitly what she wanted because... Kim begged her to take Tam away, and then Ellen decided she knew better than Kim. I find that really patronizing and kind of gross. Yeah. But uh, in terms of Chris, I completely agree with you. This is the moment that I was like, nope, 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 I don't like you, Chris. <laughs> uh, not not to one bit. How can you possibly say that? This is your child. Um, yes, moving on. We'll mention it really briefly because uh, it doesn't really have much importance, but Paper Dragons, uh, Kim lies to the engineer uh, and she tells him that Chris is coming, everything is okay, they'll live with Chris to America, and then that leads us to the American dream. Let's down the drain Pop the champagne It's time we all entertain my American dream I want my girls um and he tells a little bit about his backstory which is truly tragic um so uh his mom is a prostitute his dad was a french soldier and his dad died um leaving him with his mom alone and he was in charge of getting his mom clients. So he was pimping out his mother at a very young age. Uh, but then he's talking about why he's so obsessed with America. He's like, this is where I can shine. This is where I can be myself. And he's just going on and on about what the American dream is for him. So what do you think of it? This is, in my opinion, the biggest irony in the song of the musical. So I used to think Miss Saigon was like, 
Chris and Kim's story because it's mm-hmm. always advertised like this like tragic love story that happened um, in Vietnam War time. But I think maybe now it's actually Engineer's story. So like you said, um, he really did all this like nasty deal to survive and he quote unquote can sell shit and get thanked. And that's what he learned from the Yanks. So this mm-hmm. ironic American dream where you can get by selling your soul. Literally, it's it's very, very sarcastic in my opinion. And he really is the only person who's persistent about chasing his own dream. In this regard, he's more American than anyone in the musical, really. And I respect that in a way. I This is so odd. I don't know why, but he sings about this very empty American dream because this is towards the end of the musical, right? And we literally just witnessed how the supposedly we be the trustworthy Americans is on the road to abandoning their children or like the promises they had before. And then here you have a person who's still singing and celebrating everything about America. So mm-hmm. in a way that level of how fake that was is just yeah. is just very, very impressive. So I find it very interesting that it plays this very song at the end of the musical. And the other thing that I thought was interesting to call out was that, um, so the, at the end of the American Dream, the cars, the fancy cars, uh, the girls, like all these like fancy great things disappeared. And you see the engineer like running on the stage and be like, where are you going? Come back here. And I think mm-hmm. they changed the line from it was just getting good to let's make it great again. <laughs> In reference really? to Trump. Yeah, they did. What? Yeah, but after I think Trump's uh, supporters complained, they, they canceled that. So it was very short-lived. Yes, that's in, that's ingenious. Uh, I like that. <laughs> uh, and totally, they're showing how fake it is. Like, they have fake and consumerist. Like, that's the, mm-hmm. that's the entire point of the song. It's like, oh, girls can buy a tits by, by the pair, and bald people think they'll grow hair. That's, like, how fake it is. And, mm-hmm. like, uh, you get everything 10% down, you can make money out of nothing. Like, it's really hearkening to how much of a shell the American yeah. dream is. It's, like, meaningless. It's just, like greed and it's fake but yeah in terms of the song itself i know it's the big number here but i I think it's okay like it didn't make an impact on me musically it's okay it's not the best that i Mm -hmm. agree but i think message wise uh, that's why i chose a d song because it really Uh, just embodies the whole the 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 whole message totally it makes them seem more (laughs) self-aware yeah (laughs) um Okay, so after the American Dream, we cut to This is the Hour slash Little God of My Heart. Um, and we get Kim and Tam at their shabby little home. Um, and Kim says her final goodbye to Tam before, you know, going out there and killing herself. She lets Tam know that his dad is coming and he will take him with him to America. Um, and she repeats uh, one of the songs that we heard before, which is This is the Hour, uh, Don't Touch My Boy Melody, foreshadowing again what's about to happen literally now. So uh, John and Chris are coming in, and Kim hugs Tam tightly one last time before letting go, um, and then Janir takes Tam to see Chris. So after everybody leaves, she kills herself while Tam is gone, and uh, Chris uh, he notices that Kim collapsed due to the gunshot and he embraces her, um, kisses her one last time before she dies. And uh, right before she dies, she sings 
how in one night we've come so far to harken back to their um, original melody, Love Song and Dies. And this is how the musical ends. So what did you think of this finale? So, um, I'm not sure if I should be mad or sad about this ending. I know a lot of people attack this ending for showing this white superiority by having the Asian woman kill herself when the white man leaves her. But I think most people can agree with me here when I say I believe her decision is not out of the disappointment in love, but more so for the protection of her child's future. So I want to talk about Kim. I think she has strong spirit, but has really poor character development. Like she makes her own choices, such as killing Tui to protect her child or killing herself um, for her child. But her life tragedy was built upon like a um, romantic relationship with an mm-hmm. uh, unworthy man who happens to be white. <laughs> so that's the problem I have with it. And the fact that she doesn't have much of an individuality other than this strong motherhood, to me, just Mm kind of confirms that Western stereotype. And I think this is why a lot of the Asian women would agree that playing shows like this makes me anxious to think about what others might think of me. So going back Mm -hmm. to what I said earlier, I think it might be hard to understand, but many Asian women experience this some level of yellow fever that can be associated with these feelings of just deep personalization and feels like we're sometimes like this interchangeable objects. In this case, Kim feels like an interchangeable object. Like she feels more like an object than human. And the symbol of being sexualized or not being valued for who she is but what mm-hmm. she has come to represent is especially damaging to the self-esteem of the Asian woman community. So it's natural that we worry about this kind of limited representation of Asian women on the worldwide stage like Broadway could really have a negative impact on how others perceive us. Mm-hmm. So if you want to make a production showing like, what was it back in the time? Sure. Just make sure you make it right and then pay some respect and do your homework like the Vietnamese lyrics and then show the spirit, the strength that these people have um, mm-hmm. and have Kim be able to live without Chris and stop yep. making Asian women into like this unrealistic fantasies and have them falling in love with white men every single time. <laughs> so that's my thought. What about yours? So in the beginning, said I'm very conflicted about how I feel about this musical, and I'm really not sure how I feel. And surely this was communicated throughout this episode. Again, my head was empty um, <laughs> because I tried to put so much information into it and tried to take everything into account. And personally, I can see obviously why they went with the angle they did, but it's difficult for me to also rationalize it because you can assume that there are so many other tactics she can try doing, for example, having a conversation with Ellen and uh, Chris, which they denied her by making the decision for her. Um, So there are a lot of things that she could have done without resorting to killing herself. But I see why out of desperation of so many traumatic things happening to her, she did do that. She felt like this is the only thing I could do for my son. I really don't want him to end up like me or like an engineer actually I think um they have some kind of a 
similarities between their uh, their characters. For example, like they're both supposed to be Eurasian, uh, half half white, half Vietnamese, and uh, both of their moms were prostitutes. And uh, I feel like part of the rationale of having the engineer as a character is to juxtapose Tam as a character and who he shouldn't become. I don't know. I think they're, they're, they could have they could have handled it a little bit better in terms of the musical itself. Like I mentioned before, a problem that I have with it is that I feel like it's misery porn to an extent. Like every bad thing that happens and that could happen happens to her. She doesn't really have any happy yeah. moments in her life that we know of. Yeah, even when even when she hears Chris coming back, we already know that this is not going to work out. We never see her having like hope and believing in it. It's always constant doom and gloom, um, and it's an issue I have here because even though I don't like tragedies, I think tragedies can definitely be well written. Even though they're not my scene, I could understand what is a well written tragedy and what are the elements that I think are well written. Because if they just show you a miserable occurrence after a miserable occurrence, it kind of desensitizes you to the entire situation, and that's also harmful here. Um, so that's an issue I have here. Another good aspect of tragedy that you can show is something um, like a tragic flaw. I kind of feel like maybe the engineer has some of that, but he also constantly has bad luck. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I feel like narratively it's very flat and I wish they put more thought into creating themes and narratives besides just the misery aspect of it. I agree. I definitely see potential in this story. Um, (laughs) Just how they play it out can definitely be modified, I think. Yeah, yeah. They already made modification, most notably with her age, I think. The fact that she was 15 in Madame Butterfly and 17 here. <laughs> but also with, like, the demonization of Tui um, by making him really aggressive and violent um, and not giving up when she rejects him initially. And um, they also demonize Ellen to an extent because in the original character, Uh, In Madame Butterfly, Kate was interested in getting the child with her to America. But yeah. (laughs) Well, final thoughts? or I I have no thoughts. I have no thoughts. I have no final thoughts. I'm so jumbled. I'm so sorry. But I'm so jumbled. But um, yeah, I'm just going to give my ranking. I cannot. (laughs) Okay, okay. I'm going to give a ranking of 5.5. 5.5? Okay. Uh, okay, let's go with five for five point five out of ten helicopters. Okay, I'll give it five. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it five engineers. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and the, the reason why it's like such a middle number is because I'm still conf- conflicted between thinking this is a musical is racist by having this like sexualized woman image whatever and thinking that this musical is a product of its time and provides a great irony and sarcasm so yeah i don't know i actually really enjoy the irony part i think it's beautifully mm-hmm. written and probably has pretty good potential of showing the reality and the tragedy and this can happen to you know any race any country so again i want to i want to believe the racism controversy was not intentional but you know, understanding this rationally is one thing. And emotionally, mm. it's hard not to be worried about how this will impact the way that Asian women value themselves. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I guess I'm just trying to say that 
we I'm not saying that we should stop telling this kind of uncomfortable story, but it's just about not taking this whole thing for granted, I guess. Creating and, a conversation. Yes, mm-hmm. and hopefully to tell a story from a different perspective. And in terms of the musical, the reason why I felt conflicted is um, the music is gorgeous and uh, the production itself is very, very beautiful and the acting is very good. Um, and everybody that is involved is super talented. But the story has narrative issues in terms of having flat characters and being kind of a misery porn uh, rather than just a a proper tragedy in my opinion and also obviously the aspect of misogyny and racism that is echoed here though it helped tremendously that the versions that I've seen did not have actors in yellow face they Mm -hmm. didn't give them like prosthetic for the eyes and stuff like that so it made me feel a little bit better watching it Uh, but there's still like a lot of issues embedded within the story and within the text of the songs as well. Um, So when you examine it, just think about it critically. And I think it's a good idea to seek out the opinion of uh, the people that it affects. So Asian people, for example, and Vietnamese people in particular, um, and see their opinion on it and um, what they think of it Mm -hmm. to kind of get a better understanding and a more nuance to the story. Yeah. Well, so that's Miss Saigon, and um, yeah, very, I think it's a very controversial musical, so definitely let us know what you think. I I feel like we've been repeating this phrase forever, but seriously, (laughs) let us know. (laughs) Yes, please. Um, Yeah, and we can just close this by giving you the means to let us know. You can contact us to let us know everything we've done wrong, uh, and particularly me, everything that I've done <laughs> wrong uh, during this episode on Podway Podcast, uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit. And you can also contact us by email if you have a particularly long take. We'd enjoy reading it at podwaypodcast at gmail.com. Um, yes. Thank you very much for listening. Yes, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.